Welcome to a Meathead Hippie podcast. I have so much to share. This is a excellent podcast with Gabby, who I met from an event in Texas not that long ago, but instantly connected with. We're going to talk about so many concepts of farming practices and the cycles of life and death and her amazing upbringing of transcendental meditation in Fairfield, Iowa, some Vedic concepts and beautiful gems of knowledge and my favorite new hack of sweet potatoes on the go, which is so perfect because right now I have two sweet potatoes that are cooked and baked and ready for my road trip ahead because I am in a van. The van, the Meathead Hippie Mobile, has officially been named, but I will let this podcast ride out the wave. This first podcast, like for real, this is the first podcast of recording in the van. And I had a couple podcasts that I just launched with Kimberly and Kaylee from Columbia, who are restaurant business badasses, with Ethan, who is a Kratom, Kratom advocate and teacher and healer. But I was still searching for my van while I was podcasting them. It just was the Aries full moon. So I was ready to go. And it was a few days before I went up to Iowa to get this van. And then coming back from northern Iowa, almost Minneapolis, basically where Winnebago was created years and years ago, I was going through Fairfield, Iowa. So I stopped to meet Gabby and she became the first farm podcast guest in the Meathead Hippie Mobile. And there's going to be lots of Meathead Hippie things in this podcast still. So it won't just be about farms. And actually, my next podcast will talk more in depth about some of the things that I'm doing with farms. But I just can't get over the synchronicities and the magic and just the ability to be this free, not just free as in that's the only thing I care about in this lifetime, truly, but to really have this mobile freedom as well has just been better than I could ever expect. So right now I am on my way to Virginia Beach and I just posted a blog on emilystrom.com if you want to get like the tidbits of what's happened up to Virginia (laughs) and some pictures and photos and then of course the podcasts, but really I am just blown away. And this story I'm about to share is going to maybe highlight and kind of put into one place what is happening and just riding this wave of amazingness. So on my way to Virginia Beach to meet my next podcast guest, Jaylene. And as I am kind of like in this process of how do I not drive too much and still get work done and find right Wi-Fi spots, and also still find a system of road tripping where my body doesn't fall apart because I'm sitting for so long. You know, I'm just like listening to the signs. And Griff was like really wanting to pull over. He's done such a fantastic job. This is my polydactyl 13-year-old cat, Gryffindor Hemingway. He's done a bait, like better than anyone could ever expect. Like I'm so obsessed. I keep talking about it because this is a dream to have your cat travel with you. So it is a dream. And he was being very vocal. So I listened and I pulled over to the coffee shop. That's like the only coffee shop probably for the next hour, maybe longer. And instantly there's this like wild overgrown garden. 
and birds everywhere. And all I start to see are herbs from this garden, echinacea, I see mullein, I see wild lettuce, miner's lettuce, and then in the middle is a moringa tree, a little beautiful moringa tree. Like I couldn't even believe it. I was on the phone with my friend Tiff and I was like, holy shit, this is a moringa tree. The last time I've seen a moringa tree, just for reference, is in Thailand. It is very hard to grow in the United States because they do not like anything with cold. So you have to bring it inside, but it's a thriving Moringa tree and it is so beautiful. Moringa was one of the side herbs of the month for the build your own apothecary that I did. It's called the tree of life because it has all the amino acids. It is so supportive. If the world goes to shit and people can't get food, Moringa will save you. Like that's what it's been known for to really be the nutrient dense support in times where your body needs nutrients. And here it is. So I already know that this place that I'm stopping at is gonna be magic. I walk in and there she is, the beautiful owner who is just, you know, I just think she thinks she's probably gonna make me coffee or tea or whatever she has. Her name's Elizabeth from the Philippines. And I start talking to her about Moringa. Turns out Elizabeth is a singer and I convinced her to sing because most likely she's high percentage beluga and everyone who used to sing should be singing currently. There's nobody who shouldn't be singing, especially if you know that it's a part of your life or was a part of your life. Like that is your medicine period. It doesn't matter what you eat. I mean, it does, but more so than eating and movement, like just using your throat chakra for the world and singing. And now it makes sense why all, while all these birds are here like, holy shit. So she breaks out a microphone. She turns it on, starts playing music and just lets out her voice. And it was breathtaking. It was like the most gorgeous voice. It, I mean, you never know. And it, I would have loved it no matter what, but like legitimately it was so good. So she sang me songs and I tried to sing along and it was just this magical moment of like, our job is simply to charge ourselves up, to be as plugged in to source and energy and feeling our best possible self, because that is exactly what we give to others. If we can be that for ourselves, we can reflect that for others. And it was just like sunbeams shining out of this coffee shop. I just can't even get over it. It's called Craving a Cup on the coast of North Carolina, heading up to Virginia Beach. And that's just one example of how uh, grateful and amazing and uh, in sync this whole van life thing is. So thank you for being a part of Meathead Hippie. I can't wait to get to the episode with Gobby. A quick, massive, beautiful shout out to my Meathead Hippie sponsors. These are not just sponsors of the podcast. These are sponsors of Emily's Nourishment. So everything I talk about is something I integrate into my life every day. And I'm so grateful for them because living on the road can be hard, but only when you're not prepared. And it's actually easier when you're prepared to eat on the road than it is at home, in my opinion. So it's just been powerful. It's been really good. But number one, element salts, L-M-N-T. Drinkelement.com slash meatheadhippie. It's the only way to get this discount code of 15% off and a lots of really good special bundles. Even if you're already a lover of Element, 
if you go to that link and purchase anything, it shows them that you are listening and you are supporting and therefore you support me. And that's just so helpful. I'm obsessed with these salts. Grapefruit is by far my favorite, but I love them all. They are really important for electrolyte um, support. So electrolyte balancing. So if you're looking at hydration, it's not just about how much water you drink. It's about how you maintain and retain that water. And all of us are dehydrated. I actually carry around like strips of urine, <laughs> urine, not strips of urine, urine strips so that I can test my pee to see how hydrated I am, which was a podcast I did with Stacy Sims. Highly recommend that podcast. My second sponsor, equip, equipfoods.com slash M or just the code meatheadhippie, 15% off. They have all real food, science-backed supplements. So it's a little different than my supplement line, Empirica, which is really focused on micronutrients. These are kind of like the proteins and the pre-workouts and the collagens, like the sources of food when we're supplementing and we can't get it through a meal, through chewing. How do we replace that meal? And Equip has done such an amazing job with it. Real food, no bullshit. And I love them. I have strawberry protein ready to go for my next meal. But my current meal is Heather's Choice. So Heather Kelly has been on my podcast. She is a badass entrepreneur. She started a backpacking company of Heather's Choice, which is all about just add hot water meals on the go that were gluten-free and dairy-free. And she is such a genius with these recipes. I know she has a team and it's a whole operation in Alaska creating healthy, nutrient-dense foods on the go. And it's the perfect van life accompaniment. Accompaniment. It is literally just that hot water. So I have a grass-fed bison chili with kidney beans and bell peppers. And it's like 44 grams of protein. And I'm so grateful for it because that's really what's helping with my cravings. So huge shout out to Heather's Choice for coming on board to support this Meathead Hippie Mobile vision. <laughs> if you are interested, all of these are linked 15% off and you can also use the code Meathead Hippie. But I, if you're a camper, if you're a van lifer, if you're curious about easier food options, these are amazing alternatives. And final heads up is that we have a surplus because of some miscount on my part of BCAAs, branch chain amino acids, but our essential amino acids and L-glutamine, which is an incredible amino acid for healing, not just gut and muscle and tissue and all over support, but helping with balancing blood sugar as well. So we have a whole email that just went out to our Empirica subscribers and just really communicating the education around these two supplements and how to use them in a way that's really beautiful. But the BCAAs, especially with the element salts, are so good. Like they're very natural, clean BCAAs, which is really hard to find and essential amino acids. So everything, not just the three that you, you usually find the entire profile. So adding them with salt is like the perfect one, two punch, even if it's your own pinch of salt or the element salts, but the L-glutamine and the BCAAs are 40% off on myempirica.com. No code needed. So stock up while you can 40% off is a crazy st steal of a deal. It's just deliciousness is waiting for you. If you know people who need gut healing protocols or need support with healing muscle tissue or bone, um, L-glutamine can be fantastic. I said bone, but I don't think bone. Comfrey is for bone. 
which I'm getting on my foot today because I have something going on with my foot. That's neither here nor there. I want to get to Gobby. Huge long intro because I'm just so stoked about van life. <laughs> Follow along on the blog. Follow along on my Instagram at Emily Schramm and enjoy this wonderful show of us going literally into the farm, which is her handle, Gobby's handle on Instagram, at into the farm. Like, can you get over the synchronicities? It's just insanity. Like, life is so fucking cool. I hope you're doing so well. Nourish yourself. Love yourself. Bring all the energy back to yourself. And I cannot wait to do another podcast shortly. Enjoy the show. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Gabby from At Into The Farm hails from rare Midwestern organic pastures in the unique town of Fairfield, Iowa. Here she grew up working on her neighbor's organic dairy farm. She completed her university degrees at Chico State in NorCal while supplementing her education through her involvement with the Savory Institute. Following her time on the West Coast, she spent six years in Tennessee creating and managing the multi-species regenerative livestock program at Al Gore's family farm, Caney Fork Farms. Now she is on a land steward sabbatical, taking time to travel, consult farms, consult farms, and surf as much as possible while she plans her next big move. If you know any farms looking for guidance with their land management and livestock, please connect with Gabi. Gabby, what did I just put on my hands? Put a little sandalwood oil. You said it had rose? With rose. Oh, I can feel that. To it. Ooh, yeah. what a perfect initiation <laughs> to my first meathead hippie in the van. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> I'm at uh, this beautiful place that you have been so a part of for years. I'm in your hometown of Fairfield, Iowa. Mm -hmm. And you and I met, I guess we should start there, of yeah. how we met, which yeah. was at the Force of Nature regenerative conference what good shall i do at rome ranch at rome ranch yeah. sat right next to each other yep with uh the actor from transformer right that was so oh, yeah. cool yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, like, Is that him? you're really him. familiar looking yeah. <laughs> oh that's why uh and you did a panel with um Will, who had just, from White Oak, Oak Pastures, mm -hmm. who everyone just loves as soon as they hear him. He's just wonderful. But you are a land steward, and you've been doing that for a long time. But to be in your town, which is only an hour and a half from my hometown. Crazy. Isn't that so funny? Like, yeah. Kirk, this feels a lot like Kirksville, Missouri. Yet, there's a twist to Fairfield, which I can't wait to hear more about. Um, but you just, you take care of land through animal management and through your heart and just all the things we're going to talk about. So thank you for being on this podcast to teach us some things that we do not know. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, it's so fun. Okay, so <laughs> we're driving through Fairfield and you keep calling it uh, Ruse. You call yourself Ruse, <laughs> which stands for like the gurus, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I have to show you, like, my favorite herb is rue. So I have this rue tincture somewhere, if I can find it. I have not organized the van yet. <laughs> no, but I love that you already have an herb drawer. I cannot wait for the full apothecary build out, but I'll find it at some point. So tell tell me about, like, what, so transcendental meditation, yes. this is the epicenter of that. Yes. How nuts. Yeah. 
I know, Iowa, of all places. Yeah, which yeah. is I'm f- very familiar, monocropping mm-hmm. kind of epicenter, mm-hmm. Midwest, mm-hmm. what people who are very unfamiliar with the Midwest, they kind of have one stereotype, and that's yes. what they think of, but there's these beautiful gems. There's and pockets. Little pockets. There's pockets. Like tell everywhere. Us, tell us about the pocket yeah. of Fairfield, Iowa. Yes. So the Transcendental Meditation Movement um, sort of came together and landed here in the 70s, 60s, 70s. Um, because they needed a, a place to settle. The um, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was the guru that came from... Maharishi. Yeah, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Um, he came from India to sort of teach and spread this certain type of meditation. And the Beatles um, caught on to his practices and followed him around. So when you see those old photos of the Beatles when they're sitting next to a guru, that's, that's the one. Um, and so, uh, out of all places, they landed here, um, basically because there was a college campus for sale. Um, so it was, it was a good deal for everyone. And it, it really happened. I mean, a college formed, a whole school formed, a community formed. So I went through the, the whole school. I, um, was born and raised here. And Did your parents meet here? They met in Colorado. Okay. My dad was a teacher, Colorado. and he yeah yeah male, <laughs> um and he taught uh he he was a teacher and he checked my mom's meditation once and and then they fell in love and then moved here and um the rest is is history ongoing history. <laughs> so they yeah so you're coming from a family of. I don't know what woke people like yeah. they are tuned in tell me exactly what makes transcendental meditation mm. transcendental it does, mm-hmm. it's definitely a process that you yes. go through right it's like, so it's it's a meditation that's really accessible to anyone no matter if they're a religious spiritual type or not um because it doesn't bring any religious or spiritual components with it there are you can you can dive deeper into it and yeah. sort of follow a more vedic tradition um but it's mainly um presented to people as just a stress relieving practice um so it's a very easy meditation it's a mantra meditation so it's not a concentration or contemplation type meditation um where it requires um, a lot of attention yeah um so it's no work. You just find 20 minutes and sit and do it, and it settles the mind and has brings about um, aspects into your life that um, you like, like creativity and rest and you know, stress relief. Healing. Healing, yeah. yeah. Restoration. Yes. This wind is amazing. I know. It's a good <laughs> thing you have this van because this would not be a good pasture recording. No, it would not. <laughs> Thank you, Meathead Hippie Mobile. Yeah. I think I might. I'm like, is her name Cardinal? Is it Meathead Hippie Mobile? Is it TBD? I'm not sure. But, well, okay, so transcendental, using the mantra, so speaking a mantra, each person has their own mantra. Isn't that kind of the process? Yes, you're given one out of a set of mantras that your teacher knows. Got Um, it. And I think that I'm not a teacher, so I'm not exactly sure their process of giving it to you. Cool. But you grew up with this. Mm Mm-hmm. And the street names that we're driving by <laughs> on the way to this dairy farm. In- Invincible America Avenue. <laughs> Piece of utopia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I loved what you shared. Um, all the houses, they have this beautiful 
little nipple on the top. And yes. A beautiful pinpoint. Yes. So what would you a call collage. Yeah. What's it called? It's called a collage. A collage. Mm-hmm. But okay. it looks like a little nipple, yeah. And that's a specific, that's because Maharishi's type, or is it a specific? It's a, it's a, uh, a Vedic architecture. Vedic architecture. So wow. it is, um, uh, it takes into account the cardinal directions, uh, light flow, energy flow through the house. So there's an open center in the house that is open all the way up to the skylights and through the second floor if there is one. Wow. And then there's light in all, um, or windows um, opening to, like east window opens to a west window and south to a um, north. Um, so the lights are yeah. able to go through the whole house. And there's many more layers that I'm not privy to, but, um, <laughs> but you share, you know, even the, the intention, the jewels, the yeah. prayers, the kind of ceremony yes. that goes into where your home is, yes. is really beautiful. Yes. Well, and to tie this into the dairy, when we do the groundbreaking ceremonies for these houses that have Vedic architecture, um, we, uh, or whoever's building the house digs a hole and, um, does a ceremony and it, the ceremony includes offering certain gemstones and cow manure. Wow. So to tie it back into the dairy, now that we're here sitting in the parking lot at the dairy. Paradise. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, at Radiance Dairy. Um, in high school, I'd be milking cows and people would come in with a bucket and ask for some manure. So I'd, you know, go over there and get them some manure and they'd go and do their groundbreaking ceremony. And, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's so perfect. Cause you've been a part of this. We just saw Megan for 17 years. She's yeah. been a cow, a Jersey cow, mm-hmm. which you taught me is the best for milking. Cause they have a higher fat percentage. Yes. They're, I mean, they're, they're, each cow has a, a pro and con for sure but jersey cows generally have the highest milk oh. fat percentage so um their milk is beautiful and rich and having a lot of like a high milk fat is is um uh, like desirable from a financial standpoint as well because yeah. that's where the, the money is is in the is in the milk fat because yeah. you can do so much more with it yes right yeah cream turns into butter turns into ghee or whatever etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah and where we met which was paradise mm-hmm. coffee was Paradiso, yeah, Paradiso mm-hmm. coffee. Mm-hmm. I keep wanting to say paradise. What are you, paradise? Mm-hmm. We're in paradise. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm clearly in my paradise. Yeah, <laughs> Paradiso coffee. Uh-huh. They they use this. I mean, it's just amazing when there actually is these local communities built around agriculture coming from the town itself. Yeah, it's localization 101. Yes, and that's what you're. Yeah. You know, it's like. A no-brainer because it's what we used to do. But what you said was so important. Uh, share a little bit about how to have a dairy farm is kind of, especially at the size, a mm-hmm. micro. I mean, it's a pretty great operation. They're yeah. doing such an amazing job here, but it's an impossible to find because they're becoming obsolete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would be a good way to explain that to some? I mean, it's just they get bought up, and that's what happens. Yeah. So. Dairy is a really hard business to be in because um, typically uh, you're dependent on a lot of other factors, whether um, it's your feed costs, and it doesn't have to be just grain, you know, hay. Hay costs are going up because fuel costs are going up. And then um, a lot of small dairy farms, they don't have a bottling facility, processing facility like we do here. And so they're the mercy of the milk truck. So the milk truck comes and picks up the milk every few days, and whatever the price of milk is, that's what they're going to get. 
um, doesn't matter how hard they work or, or the how, conditions the in which the yep. cow is mm-hmm. in. Yeah. So as those prices go down, the small farmers get hit by that a lot harder than the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, and so that's we're seeing it all across the country, and even in organic milk. A lot of organic farmers, um, small farmers um, on the East Coast have had to close up shop because even the um, large organic milk companies, their their milk prices are, are going down and um, and just the mega dairies are kind of winning right now. And so this farm is quite an anomaly because we have, well, we bought all our own milk, so the milk truck doesn't matter to us, whatever the price yeah. is, it doesn't matter. And um, they, Francis and Susan Tiki, the owners of Radiance Dairy, have always um, kept the milk affordable and um, very reasonable for the community. And the community, since there's this um, group of people here that eat a lot of dairy, drink a lot of dairy, um, because their diet is a mainly a vegetarian diet. A lot of people here are vegetarian. Because so, of the belief, beliefs um, of... Because of, yeah, yeah like um, Vedic Vedic cooking is, mm-hmm. is quite heavy on the dairy and yeah. um, Ayurvedic. Um, uh, so um, we have this niche market. Yeah. And if you if you look at our sales, our number our number one sales are is fluid milk, which for any other small dairy, it's going to be yogurt and cheese and then, and then fluid milk. Like... Who do you see drinking a glass of milk these days? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Fairfield, Iowa. In Fairfield, Iowa. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So they're in a nice little pocket right here for for um, for that type of thing. Yeah. So they're they're able to sort of stay above the the trends that you're seeing in, in the whole country right now. Small farmers, small dairy farmers going under. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, for a farmer, I guess more of like for dairy and kind of your background and like knowing. Your import- the importance of making sure people know where their food comes from, and we'll talk a little bit about what you did before this. Mm-hmm. What are the things that need to be asked as a consumer if you do consume dairy? You know, if you mm. have the ability to consume dairy, like what do you look for in a farm or from your dairy producer mm-hmm. or from your dairy farmer? Mm-hmm. What are the environmental, you know, c- scenarios? What are the conditions? What are the things that you would really care about or want somebody to know or yeah. ask? Yeah, I think it's always good to start with an organic brand just from yeah. the get-go. Yeah. Um, even though, and this is a whole conversation that we don't have enough time for, but yeah. even though the organic uh, label is getting into some trouble with how um, pure it actually is in terms of the practices, whether it's soil-based or pasture, um, it's a good place to start because there are animal welfare standards written into those policies and they have to be on pasture for 30% of their year, I think is what it is. I'm not actually sure. Um, uh, It's a good place to start. And then I would look for um, a local organic dairy because generally if they're local and they're bottling their own milk, like they're, they're the type that's going to have their grass, their, their cows on on grass and um, be following these certain practices and then you just whittle it down so you make sure they're organic be awesome if uh, the milk isn't homogenized and if you're in an area that has raw milk and and that's something that you want to have in your diet and you feel safe drinking yeah go for it yeah. um, like that's it, it gets better and better and then now we're hearing a lot about the a2a2 dairy 
I would, yeah, because you were saying a lot of people who feel lactose intolerant can actually drink A2, A2 milk. So and mom so, and dad are A2. Yeah, so what that means, um, uh, there's milk proteins, casein protein, there's an A2 protein and an A1 protein. Humans have A2 proteins, A2, A2, so that means that um, you get it from your mom and your dad, you have A2, A2. Um, and so humans have A2, most mammals have A2, and um, dairy cows have A2 and A1, and um, when humans started breeding cows for higher milk production, that breeding process just happened to produce more A1 protein. So most of the milk that you're drinking and cheese and yogurt um, and that you're eating is an A1 protein. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, like here at this dairy, we're breeding in the A2 um, and we have to, it takes a while because right. you can't just tell that cow to start producing that because we're, you know, we're breeding and it takes a year to get mm -hmm. the cow up and going and bred and, um, so, uh, yeah, I think this farm is about 85% there now and it'll Amazing. be there in a few years cause we just have to, you know, wait, wait for the cows to grow up and start producing. Um, but yeah, so like you said, the, um, the A2, A2 milk, people that drink that are finding that they can digest it because yeah. it's, um, it's like what they drink from their mom. It, it kind of makes a lot of sense. It does. And, um, yeah. Well, I love that it takes time, and I love just even, you know, you, this, he's been, Francis and Susan have been here for 25 years, but in it for way so, longer. Yeah, so they took, the the Radiance Dairy started as a community-run dairy 30-plus um, years ago. They bought it 30 years ago in 92, and um, it was on the other side of town where we drove and saw those houses. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like he said, about 25 years ago, they moved it here where there was just a corn crib, and now they have a whole Operation. milk barn processing facility. Well, I think that's also so fun because they, on your panel, you mm -hmm. were with, um, I believe, so it was Will from mm -hmm. Wild Pastures, mm -hmm. and then Austin, Austin, who's yeah. in Texas, really, and yeah. I hadn't met him or heard of him, but yeah, he was, it was so fun to hear him talk, so I'll link that interview because mm -hmm. it's now available for mm -hmm. all of you guys to listen to mm -hmm. where Gabby and I met. She was on a panel about land stewardship, and it was wonderful with Force of Nature. I loved it. And it was so fun to hear him talk about it, but it was also like, you know, nature has to do nature so many times. It, I mean, it's a little ruthless, but you was just like cutthroat, but that's nature. It's not, it's like, who's going to survive, and what are the genetics that you want to continue to breed? Yeah. And even when I was going down the rabbit hole of, you know, tobacco and tobacco growing on the property I was at, mm. which tobacco plants to keep and which tobacco mm. plants to not keep. And mm -hmm. it's, that's what it is, right? In, in this kind of strange way. But we have to be the predator and the caretaker. Yeah. yeah. It's a really, I never have thought of it in that way, which means that, you know, Francis and Susan have been able to see that population, mm -hmm. oversee it in a really long-term caring mm -hmm. way versus short-term because it's been their life, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, just fun to hear that conversation and also know how long something has been open and how long do they know their, their breed or their, mm -hmm. their heifers, like Lineage. what's their, yeah. What's their genetics mm -hmm. and what's their relationship with that? Cause it is the more long-term we get, obviously the healthier we will get from that mm -hmm. because it's not short-term and convenient, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's crazy when I was listening to your podcast, like it is, I'm still becoming more comfortable with the death. 
which yeah. is as equal as the life yeah. in farming, in any form of farming. Yeah. Was that always natural to you? Like, was that something that came up, you know, as a part of someone who has some spirituality in your upbringing because mm -hmm. of your parents and location? Mm -hmm. Or was that something you had to learn through farming and kind of getting into more farming? Was that like yeah. a shock or was it? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I did grow up vegetarian. Um, but it's funny, my first, like, pet love of my life, my mom will tell the story better, it was a dead mole, no. and I was just so happy, and I was, like, two, you know, just <laughs> right around the yard, like, oh my god. Um, so I've loved animals in that, no matter moles. what state of consciousness, I guess. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I was always outside and with animals and catching snakes and keeping them, and sometimes they die, and... Or my grandpa telling me that, like, you know, it's okay, that happens. You know, so I'd had a little relationship with death just by living in the country. Yeah. Um, and then here, talk, um, you know, starting here when I was 15 at the dairy, um, saw it a little bit more, but I was still a vegetarian, wouldn't want to eat cows because I loved them. Um, went to college for dairy science. And then when I was in California, I transferred out of Iowa State to California a few years in, and, um, uh, and then took some time off because, to become a resident and um, did an internship. And with that internship, you know, I got a little bit of a stipend pay, and then but I got food from the farm, mm -hmm. and that meant a lot of beef and and goat and chicken. Um, and I was out there helping the farm manager choose which one was going to the abattoir that week, and it was fine. Like I was totally fine with it. I was like, this is I'm seeing this happen. I'm I'm tending to these animals um and I was really okay with it it wasn't some like big realization it was just like yeah this makes sense and over the years um you know once I started um, managing livestock in Tennessee and had to really make those calls and mm -hmm. and was in charge of the the entire operation um you'd have moments of of grief but those moments happen when you're sitting with the cows, like we just were, yeah. and kind of seeing them and being like, oh, wow, like, I'm, you know, yeah. you're living and you're, you know, you're, you're not going to be forever. And so yeah. you have those moments, you come to peace with it, and you're not driving them to the, the stock or that stock or the, the um, slaughterhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I've, I, it's a part of life. And it's an important part of life, and being able to weave that life through other humans is quite beautiful. Right. Yeah. You did a you did a lot with Savory Institute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, back in college. Yeah, yeah. kind of like really mm -hmm. understanding land how much animals are an important part of the full system, mm -hmm. and having that conversation of if you're going to do this properly, regenerative agriculture, or learning where your food comes from. Or just being more in tune with earth cycles, removing animal isn't the solution. Yeah. And the solution is learning how they are a part of that cycle. What, I mean, what was the thing that really got you into that from a dairy farm to where you ended up in Tennessee? Mm. How did you start to see like, whoa, without animal, none of this exists? Was it just, I mean... Yeah. Well, so I, 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 I moved to California to be around more like-minded farmers and teachers. I got that. And then, but it wasn't until I was, um, actually helped put on a conference with the Savory Institute and I was watching Ellen talk and, um, 
I remember running over to my professor, Cindy Daly, um, as he was te- as he was showing the pictures of what he was able to do with livestock on arid landscapes. You know, coming from Iowa, I was like, what? Like, yeah. You can turn a desert into that? And I ran over to her. I was like, is this is this actually possible? She's like, yeah. What are you saying? Wow. You know, so I was, it was, it, that was sort of a, like a light switch for me and, um, just the whole messaging of the Savory Institute of, of, um, what the, what livestock can do to landscapes and therefore climate change. But really like that climate change is like, well, like we'll get there, but like what's most important is water cycles and feeding mm-hmm. people and healthy landscapes and biodiversity and all that. So um, definitely when I left college, I was like, we're going to save the world. We're going to do this. And so, yeah, that's how I came to it. And you went to Tennessee. Do you want to share your experience of Tennessee? Yeah. You, I would love to like hear it in a recap form. Cause like what a five, five years, six, six years yeah. of just being on this land, managing and building an infrastructure for this mm-hmm. type of model, which is. Do you want to change your land? Do you want to be regenerative? Mm-hmm. Here's how to do it. Mm-hmm. I would love to like, yeah. What's a way to recap yeah. that experience? Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a large experience for my life. It was you know most of my twenties, six years of my twenties, and like, like such a pivotal yeah. time yeah. of like where do I want to go and who yeah. do I? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, first of all, I never thought about Tennessee like the <laughs> state ever really until I was encouraged to apply for this job. Um, didn't really know what I was applying for other than just a livestock manager position. Um, it ended up being Al Gore's farm, family farm. So you don't say no to an opportunity like that straight out of college. Um, so I went out there to start their regenerative livestock program and we did a multi-species livestock program. So we had, um, cattle, sheep, and pigs. I had my own flock of chickens on um, at my house, but, um, (laughs) and, um, yeah, his land was just the typical um, kind of southern farm. Um, he had his, the neighbors running cattle on on his land, so it was, you know, overgrazed and eroded, and it was a good time to bring in some regenerative grazing. Yeah. Um, and it was a battle that first year for cattle condition and, you know, the cattle weren't breeding back when I got there and, and, um, they weren't breeding back. Yeah. What does I mean, that mean? Tell so, me I mean, if you think of a woman that's too skinny, yeah. she doesn't get her period. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what the cows were doing. So very few were got, it. got bred. And, um, so once we switched the grazing and got it right, was, were, was doing that rotational grazing thing, right. Um, they got healthier. Yeah. yeah. It went from a 28% conception rate to a 98% the next year. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. In yeah. one year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like really quick. This is such a tangent, but you know how much we're struggling with infertility as yeah. a you know society. It's like these are big issues, liver, detox, um, just toxins in general. Mm-hmm. But like environment is everything. Mm-hmm. And thinking of just like as simple as like, proper nutrients grazing and in cycle yeah maybe we should learn a lesson in some way nutrition's really important right yeah right <laughs> and you know like non non radiance dairy dairy yeah. like there's so many issues with the way that dairy is done of pumped hormones mm-hmm. and synthetic mm-hmm. it's just crazy mm-hmm. so it's 
we have so much to learn as humans. Yes, from we do. the animals and environment around us. Yeah, and it really doesn't have to be that complicated, too. It can just be going it back is. to the basics and Which going is, from there. Which yeah. is kind of the answer. Yeah. Well, in your spirit, just being around you, like, you have that joy and that simplicity that comes from, like, the complications of life. Of course, we all have it, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, you have a centeredness in yourself that is very obvious mm-hmm. and fun to be around because mm-hmm. it's just, like this is what happens. Like think life will find a way. You know, when I'm around, it's, it's, there's just certain people that get it, but they the people that are in environments that see the way the environment works because we are in our human brain. Like there's just so much complication mm. in most people's lives. That's so mm-hmm. unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What you said is so true. Mm-hmm. Simple is best. Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay, so you rotated them. They they're starting to produce babies. Yeah, they're they're getting nourished. Yeah, so once once the cows were getting healthy, that meant the land was getting healthy, and the humans were you know essentially getting healthy in two years once we could you know harvest them. Um, yeah, so I really saw the land turn around and the pastures improve. You know, and you see that by you can see that through the cows healthy yeah. and um, finishing well. Like the steak looks good. Um, and then you can also see that in the disappearance of certain forages that are indicative of poor quality soil and other forages sort of reemerging that are indicative of, of a good quality soil. Yeah. Um, so I saw a lot of that and super fun building the markets for Caney Ford Farms, you know, like meeting customers, um, have, taking them along for the journey um, and being able to watch those kids grow that were regulars coming to the market every year and knowing that the meat was nourishing them. And, um, yeah, so it was a really, um, really cool farm to work at, um, before we were public, um, you know, had any like website or social media uh, uh, presence. We, um, wanted to make sure that we had a research program in place so that we could, uh, we weren't just talking the talk, we were walking the walk saying, like, this is regenerative agriculture, we think it's going to be sequestering carbon in the soil and doing something useful for the landscape, and here's our data. Yeah. Um, or, and we are doing the research to to prove it on this land, or disprove, we don't know. Right. So we have been um, increasing the soil carbon in the, in the land wow. over the past few years. So, yeah, yeah. Do you do that through, like, the... EOV outputs that Savory we Institute ha- talks about. We haven't about. done the EOV, but we do something similar um, with uh, uh, Skidmore College, um, and we, we have students come out every summer and take soil cores and measure the, the carbon in that with um, something called quick carbon. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> do you think the kind of hype of regeneration, like what do you hope doesn't happen with the term regenerative agriculture? Yeah. Which might happen. Yeah. But I think it's already, you know, like, it, like sustainability gets co-opted and, um, you know, used and twisted. And yeah. But the regenerative people are starting to put um, uh, like certifications with it, like the Savory Institute does and Riverdale Institute has one. Um, but, you know, I hope that it, it's not like a fad. And I don't think it is. That word was starting to get popular in like 2016 and it's still being used. So I don't think it's gone away. But I think it's here. Yeah. yeah, I think it's here to stay. And I think that when people are waking up to the food system um, and seeing what 
regenerative ag is doing, it's something that it can be fully understood and people can get on board with it. So I, I, I'm not worried that it's going to be going um, anywhere. I just hope that people don't co-op it and twist it in a different way. Like, right. Greenwashing. Greenwashing. Or Which the, might happen, but, you know, what is the... Yeah, the fake meat thing, the, you know... Oh, Lord, yeah. Yeah. Woof. Yeah, but and it, all, it really comes down to knowing where your meat comes from. Yeah. Period. You know, yeah. or your dairy if mm-hmm. you do dairy. So, mm-hmm. oh man, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's getting better, but it's also just hard. It access and conversation like this, just more and more of it, and more of what you do, so it's more doable. So yeah. we live in. If we're in Midwest and you're driving, you mm-hmm. see soybeans, corn, fields everywhere. Yeah. And then you touch that soil and it's so depleted. It's yeah. so dead. And yeah. just kind of like on this schedule and production. And how do you, as someone who knows like the alternative solution of what regenerative agriculture represents, but also so much more than what mm-hmm. regenerative is, just being cyclical mm-hmm. and working with Mother Earth. What do you think of when you're driving by those mm. corn and soy? You know, is it like one day this will change or is it just like a knowing that there is an end life to that yeah. type of farming or what is it, you know? Yeah. So many jobs are tied into that, right? Yeah. Well, with these things and in and, and just so many different areas of life, it's there, there will be a tipping point when the big ag world sees that they need to take care of their soil. And I think that's happening because there are USG grants to plant cover crops now. That's, yeah. that's to give them time to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the yeah. in the winter, so the the soil isn't bare in the winter. Wow. So they've come in and plant rye or something in the, and um, in the in the fall, and so it's covered, and that's a step. Right. Um, and you know, with that, I left college kind of like we're going to save the world, we're going to do this. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> And uh, with that, I've started uh, really aligning myself just with what I can do with my own presence and impact on, you know, like a small community. Like what, like what is the best use of my time and my skill set to really affect change, meaningful change in one place? Um, So when I drive by the cornfields, I don't think too much of them now because that can be a lot yeah and when I come to places like this and consider what life could be like here if I move back home (laughs) (laughs) um that feels really good because it feels really meaningful because it's so linked into a community and a place and I think that there needs to be more people that are thinking that way of just like let me just take care of this place right here that I can reach. That's what I've been on for these days. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, that's beautifully said. Mm-hmm. I think that's what your phone was saying. Yeah. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And also, like, my own internal process, and I shared this a little bit with you, too, of just kind of how I'm, where I'm at and mm-hmm. how I'm getting, but so mm-hmm. much of us, we feel either we must save the world or we feel this kind mm-hmm. of duty, and really, that's, is still our ego talking, right? Yeah. It's like we're just supposed to do what lights us up yeah. and what comes to us, yes. especially we're both generators. So yeah. in human design world, in terms, <laughs> if it comes to us, 
and it feels effortless uh-huh. and your body says yes to it, then it's a match. But yeah. so much, you know, and I've been so guilty of this. It's like saving the world only burns you out, you know, not in a bad way. It's always mm-hmm. in a lesson to get you somewhere else. Yeah. But there's a lot of uh, that learning of if we're going to do it, this time around, whatever this regenerative agriculture movement or learning about our body move, movement is, mm-hmm. it has to be done from a more feminine, soft, yeah. let it happen, flow, yeah. unpredictable, yet so much more effective than yes. outputs. And this is what it looks like on paper. Yes. And this is what we produce. And this is because it never turns out that yes. way. Ever. Yes. And whereas that little list that you're just talking about, what it looks on like on paper, the, on the contrast, like the feminine way of doing things is not laid out in front of us. It is a scary position to come from because it's so loose and you kind of feel like you're floating because they have never seen it bottled well. And uh, so, (laughs) yeah, it is. You are loose. You are floating. But there's this deep trust that's being built, hopefully internally so that it reflects externally, right? We're all in our own healing process, but floating doesn't mean you're going to get dropped. It, you're going to be held. And yeah. that trust that you build through just experience of, well, it's worked out so far, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to work out. It will continue to. Yeah. 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 But that's the lesson we all have to learn in our own time. And I talk about this a lot on the yes. podcast of like the constructs that exist to make that trust so much harder. Mm-hmm. It's financial security and stability, and we all want it, and we can't be mad at ourselves for feeling those fears, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's Mm -hmm. such a normal part of being human. Mm -hmm. But all of these fears and all of these constructs really come back to food. Yeah. Our food equals money, and money has built our system that we're living in, and it's been done wrong. Yes. And we got to change it. Yes. So, and it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't like a lot. A question that I'll get a lot on panels um, from the crowd is like, "Why can't poor people afford your food?" And it's the hardest question to to be really blunt about because it's really real. Mm-hmm. But you know, the simplest answer to that is that this food system has built has been built on the backs of slavery right. and inequality blood money and yes yeah. and there and there's it should cost way more and there shouldn't be poverty like there is right now but it's not my job to fix or else i'm going to you know not have a home either um and the, yeah i'm no i don't know where i'm going with that but, but that, i'm glad you said it yes yeah. it's true it's under yes this is a problem and then you think of like well the baseline it's like it's more expensive right now but we can move it into a way that in general we have resources for high quality food because yes. it is our health care paying yes. for the food that yes. is nourishing long term right it's again thinking mm-hmm. that long term mm-hmm. but then you also think of the most fundamental baseline forms of man eat animal is hunting Mm -hmm. and and understanding that so outside Mm -hmm. of the processing Mm -hmm. it really can be dirt cheap Mm -hmm. you know so what does that look like of Mm -hmm. having someone open up to well maybe I need to actually hunt my food and find the hunters or who do I trust to find that animal and 
my God. But yeah. yeah and then a, how does that happen on a large scale? And Right. And, yeah. And, and so that's when I just get over that's, I just start, <laughs> my brain is like short-circuiting because I can't fix it all. Totally. But it, when, and that's, I feel so good about just, here's the community. community I know these yeah. people. I can do this with my skill set. Yeah. And I, I am hoping that there's someone else over that, on that side of the hill that is doing the same. Totally. Oh, it's happening. And it's so true. It's it's a collective group. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like keep seeing and keep visualizing. It's like if we think it's one solution, then we're already wrong. Mm-hmm. Because one the one always led us to the there's a top of a pyramid. Yeah. Right? So it's like re trying to create a different solution but ultimately creating the same problem. So it is gonna be this revival or regeneration of micro to be at scale it has to be so Mm -hmm. what does that look like who knows but Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. you are a listener or you're listening and you're you also believe in this it's just knowing your role isn't maybe to create the massive master plan but it's Mm -hmm. to connect Mm -hmm. how do you be the bridge from farmer to person or conversation Mm -hmm. or podcast to person so that there is a collective knowledge Mm -hmm of seeking out and making it more accessible to find what it is that we're looking for, which is micro people, people doing it Mm -hmm. and doing it Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So what would somebody, so brand new, if they're brand new to, I kind of like jumped into like high concepts of (laughs) regeneration, (laughs) but you know, kind of like reversing it. If you, what people should be looking for with their food and in general how to like really be a part of this conversation in a positive way and mm-hmm. things to avoid if you're mm-hmm. thinking out of how your food's grown and we talked about it with dairy but mm-hmm. maybe more high level concept with meat with dairy with mm-hmm. produce mm-hmm. what are the things that we stay away from and what are the things that we gravitate towards as we learn to make micro adjustments in our own life Mm -hmm. to help this cause yeah I think a good like short and sweet is eat like a farmer and so we have a freezer full of meat at the house and we have all the produce coming from the garden and so how you eat like a farmer is you have a CSA and um you know that farm and um so you're eating with the seasons you're eating um, locally, so you're covering all of these things that are are sometimes hard to do, um, and a lot of the times when you um, do join a CSA, and a CSA is stands for Community Supported Agriculture, and um, it's funny that we just call it a CSA. It's generally a box of vegetables that are seasonal, and um, most of the time you just get what's in the box. Sometimes they're customizable, like the one that we had back in Tennessee. Um, And so when you form a relationship uh, with that farmer that has that CSA, you generally, like, they'll be like, hey, guys, we have so many tomatoes. Like, come get all these tomatoes. And then you go and you get to make sauce. And you get to get all their extra peppers and learn how to make hot sauce. And you get to get sick of sweet potatoes in the winter like what a luxury like um and it's just fun to eat that way yeah 
And yeah. to have that relationship with food, that seasonal relationship with the flavor of sweet potatoes. I just realized I haven't had a sweet potato yet, oh, and it's... I'm craving it. <laughs> it's my October. Aunt, my aunt grows them and brought me a big bag, and oh. they were so good. I'm going to have more when I finally get back Those are there. really good road trip food. Oh. If you just bake a bunch okay. at your buddies, and then you just keep them in the freezer or whatever, in the yes. fridge, in your little fridge right here, and it's like a... Like a grab and go hot dog, yeah, like a hot dog. Yeah, they store forever. (laughs) I love sweet potatoes. I specifically love. We were trying to grow them at the Occidental Farm I was Mm -hmm. at. Hopefully, they have, they can get them in their CSA. But purple Japanese, the Mirazaki. Oh, okay, no. Oh, I don't know. Mirazaki. It's like purple with white on them. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, I mean, yes, that is what it is. Yes. Oh, good. God, I didn't know there's multiple purple sweet potatoes. But yes, they're my because you just need to boil them. Eat, you can just eat them straight, or a little coconut milk, a little cinnamon, and it's like the most amazing. Oh thing. my god, just heavy cream. Oh, it's like a pie. Oh my gosh, yeah. it is a sweet potato pie. Gosh, I love. I'm it must like, be lunchtime right now. We need to go eat. Oh my god. Well, the final. So thank you for so much of your time. I and also just this tour of. Um, the, this farm, I've never, my dad used to work on a dairy farm, so it was so fun, but he, they did it with so many antibiotics and so many, mm-hmm. it was so, uh, like it felt, so, I mean, it's not, it just was what it was, but that's the typical kind of, like, how fast, mm-hmm. how fast can we get production? And mm-hmm. it's just so beautiful to see this, like, system that is so organically natural. I mean, it's like just, okay, you are pregnant and we're going to take some of this milk and keep that cycle going yeah it's really as a I don't consume dairy but it's like important for me to see and be a yeah. part of and yeah I'm yeah. excited about a2a2 yes yeah. that might be a solution to me having oh, some more okay. dairy yeah we'll have some back at the house you can okay we can just take it with you. okay we'll I'll put it in my feel like you're in a safe place <laughs> my new, yeah that's perfect my, my toilet situation is eh, but that's what happens with van life yeah that's right <laughs> Um, but your name, I just, I love learning this with you earlier. So Gabi, Gabrielle, can you share about what you said about the Vedic tones or like, yes, yes. So yes. So my name is Gabrielle, Gabrielle, not Gabrielle or Gabrielle, Gabrielle Murray. So the Ga and Ba come from five sounds that I got from my Jyotish chart when I was born. Jyotish. So, Jyotish. Um, that's it's basically Vedic astrology. Okay. In Jyotish, we are given sounds that you should be called your for, for your the entirety of your life. Which I love. I didn't understand. I mean, of course, people are calling me Emily, and I'm like, yeah. well, what does that energetically call out? Like, that's just amazing that your your name could be associated with the sound, whether that be positive or negative. Yes. And no wonder why people change their name. Yes. It gives yes. me a lot more empathy for people that change their name. And I'm like, yeah. oh, really? Yeah. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. well, of course, if you don't energetically resonate with it, it's what you're being called. But yeah. there's tones that are associated with Gabi. I, yeah. Ga, yeah. Ba. Mm-hmm. Ga, yeah. Ga, uh, Ga and Ma. So Gabrielle Marie is my name. Yeah. Ga yeah. and Ma. That connect mm-hmm. to some sort of resonance yes in the ethers yeah and if you're going to go there you know people say i'm an aries so i wear this stone or i'm a gemini and i wear this stone or this yeah. is you know so it, it it all ties in and um so that's 
uh, but my name Gabrielle. People all people say Gabrielle, Gabriella. I like it when people do that. That's fine. Um, uh, or they'll go straight to Gabby, and I'm not a Gabby, so I I just always introduce myself with a nickname Gabby with two A's. Yep. So it's like there's no way you can say it wrong. <laughs> I love that Gabby. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, it's cool. It's connected. It's now it's like oh this is like a spiritual sound. Yeah. This is calling out something good from, yeah. from your own Vedic astrology chart. Yes. Yes. Cool. Your parents are rad. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank oh. you, listeners, meathead hippies. Uh, where can people find you? Um, my Instagram, Into the Farm. I love that. And I'm I'm not on a lot of farms right now. I'm on a farm in sabbatical, so I'm doing a lot of surfing. So oh. into the Whatever. Into the Costa Rica yeah. Pura Vida. Yeah. Should I meet you in Costa Rica? Yeah, let's say that. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll see you in Costa Rica. I'll see you in Costa Rica. <laughs> All right. Aloha, everyone. I'll see you guys next week. That's it for Meathead Hippie. Thank you for being here. And if you haven't yet, go download the free Meathead Hippie Empress. It has a free meal plan, a free meal prep, exercises, workouts all the things that I love in one place absolutely free go to emilyshram.com it's the header bar click it download it and start learning alongside with me I'll see you next time